and it's Unrated Mist. I'm your host, Prophet Travis Warklaw. Um, it's our first episode uh, from season one. It's going to be uh, titled, Dear God, I have my dear friend, my sister. Uh, she's just everything. Uh, coolest person you ever get to know. Uh, craziest, uh, my good friend, uh, Brandy Hunt, with us. Say hey, Brandy. Hi, thank you for having me. That was such a warm introduction. Thank you. Uh, so, me and Brandy have known each other for like, uh, what, a good, this 2023, so I guess like a good 10 years? Yeah, I would if say not, so. If not, not 12. More. <laughs> right. Uh, we met at church. Uh, and I was just, I was actually just looking at the other day, uh, that picture. I think you, either you or uh, Elizabeth sent it to me, uh, that picture of us three standing and we in our little military uniform. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah we was kids. Well, y'all were right. We we were kids. <laughs> <laughs> you was just on the, uh, the, the, the your prom of, of transitioning to real adulthood. Right, right. Oh, uh, well, the that we've had. Right. Uh, uh, but yeah, uh, so we've we've had some good times. We've had some bad times. I don't think we've had any bad times between you and I. No. Nope, uh, all ours was always good. Yep. You probably got put in the middle of some of my bad times. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, the whole time um, that I've known you, I've always known you to be uh, the type of person that goes for it. Like just you go through your stuff, but it can be the craziest thing, but you will go for it. Um, and one of those things that I remember uh, vividly of you just going for it is when you wrote your first book. Mm-hmm. And you know you were telling. I remember, like we were sitting in uh, 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 Reggie's uh, house, mm-hmm. and you was talking about it. And I remember him telling you, you know, go do it, and you was kind of doubting yourself at first. But then, you know, I remember you just going for it. And I was like, wow, like she went for it and she did it. Um, and you found and you came out with the book called um, Dylan and I Was Dealt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tell us about the book, uh, just in, in a whole. Uh, what was um, your intended audience for the book, and, and why? Uh, why? Okay, so the book is dealing with the hand I was dealt, and the intended audience originally, I really didn't know. Uh, God gave me a dream, and I woke up in a library. And I said, whose books are these? And I heard the Holy Spirit say, they're yours. And I was like, oh, I must live in a mansion because this was like the Library of Congress. (laughs) And I said, okay, great. And then when I woke up, I asked again, audibly, I said, whose books were those? And I heard the Holy Spirit say again, they're yours. You wrote them. And I was like, (laughs) no, you know, I did plays and stuff at church. I did little articles and stuff, but me write a book, I don't have time for that. And so when uh, God dropped it in my spirit that way, I was like, okay, I put it on the shelf like a lot of people do with, you know, dreams and visions and goals. And I went on about my life uh, and I ran into, uh, you know, I used to praise dance and I won't say I ran Mm -hmm. into, was at a conference and a lady was the praise and worship leader. 
um, dance leader, she had wrote a book about praise dance. And I was like, huh, I never thought about that. Like writing a book, non-traditional where it wasn't a novel or something like that. And I said, well, maybe I'll write a book about dance. Cause you know, I was a praise dancer and I was like, no, and she was charging, you know, astronomical amount of money that I didn't have. And I, again, was about to put it on the shelf and the Holy Spirit was like, take the class. And I'm like, God, I have no money. You know, like you mentioned, we was always right. Reggie House doing some rough times. And that's probably what I was complaining about was <laughs> I don't write this book. The, the, the typing part was easy. It was the execution that I was scared of. I already don't have anywhere to live. I think I had just either I just moved out or I was getting ready to move out so many financial things. And then I didn't know what I was going to write about. I just knew God was telling me to write. And I was like, okay, so, you know, I was married at the time and I said, I'm going to write a book about prayer for, for my husband, for husband. So originally my target audience was wives who wanted to pray for their husband. And then God reminded me going down Haywood Road, that's in Greenville, South Carolina, for those abroad listening. Um, I remember 23 or 24 years old, I was going down the road and I heard dealing with the hand I was dealt. And I thought it was going to be like a play, which I guess it could still be, or a movie because that's what I wrote. And when I heard it again, when I was in my writing process, a prophet came to me and said, God said, do what you do, what he told you to do the first time. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, (laughs) that's easy. And I'm thinking, God, you tell me stuff every other day (laughs) Then you told me. And so she said, along with the prophecy, he said to go clean out your closet. And I'm like this don't make no sense (laughs) but okay so I went to go clean out my closet and I started finding artifacts from old relationships and it started to make me cry Uh, and it also I found pictures of my family my father um, my mother like just uh, boy stuff boyfriends had given me stuff that my husband had given me and I audibly screamed I was like I don't want to deal with this I probably cussed but I don't want to say you know, you probably you probably let that that, that word right. slip out. <laughs> right. I don't want to deal with this, and I slammed the door. And God reminded me, and it was like it dropped right in my spirit. Said, "Dealing with the hand I was dealt, if you don't deal with this pain, you can't move forward." And so, initially, my target audience was me. As I began to write, I understood that my target audience was not only women. Women is my target um, in my business and things like that. But I've I've helped tremendous amount of men also address their past pain. And I'm sure we'll get into what the past pain is. But um, it's for people who don't know how to address their past pains. In the Black community, we like to sweep things under the rug. We don't like to be... We don't like to love people unconditionally. We judge people for their past, their present, and their future. (laughs) Um, um, So the book is really about getting to the root issue of your pain so that you can get on with your purpose. And that was going to lead me to my next question. Um, Because I know that's one thing, you know, that's big in the black community is we'll sweep a lot of this under there, under rug and you know, in some later episodes, we're going to talk about mental health and how a lot of things have been swept under the rug in the black community and what we're going to do to progress and move forward. Because this new generation of 
of black kids um, that's coming up. Mm-hmm. They think real different. They uh, think real different. And a lot of, and I hate to say it, a lot of the tools that we used in the past, it's not going to work for them. Right. You know, we're going to have to come up with something innovative uh, in order to reach them, uh, especially uh, when it comes to the ministry portion. Like, as much, I, you know, as much as a lot of people, you know, have said, you know, a lot of the old things in the church have worked because of the foundation and the doctrine. Uh, I just tend to agree, disagree with it nowadays, mm-hmm. you know, um, simply because I just know that this young generation, like they, they think differently. Right. Um, like it, it's not, it, they just think differently. And so we're going to have to reach them differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, um, and I think, you know, we're trying to get away from books. Um, but I think, you know, these kids, they're reading. They, they're, they're readers. Right. They may not necessarily be in a book, but they're reading stuff. They, they're getting the information. Right. And it's information like this that needs to be put out so people, so they still have the humanity part of, uh, of life. Uh, and knowing how to, in this case, dealing with things that were given to you that necessarily wasn't yours in the beginning <laughs> right right it's stuff stuff that's been passed down to you uh and so with this book like you know you mentioned you know you you was writing it for yourself um after writing this book what what changed in your life after you wrote this book was there a change that you felt uh how did you feel after writing the book and getting all of that emotion and everything that you just put into the book after getting that all out of your system and putting it into writing and being able to see the words on paper, how did you feel after that? I felt, well, I'll say for those who may be writing in the writing process, during the writing process, I was scared. I was embarrassed uh, because like your show was called Unrated, I, I did not allow me to sugarcoat. I told whole truths, not half truths. I talk about my family. I talk about relationships I was in. I'm going to do a dealing with the hand I was dealt part two, even more unrated. (laughs) Um, Those were my relationships. And I also talked about now my ex-marriage. I talk about domestic violence. I mean, I literally lay the first 32 years of my life out on 175 pages was very emotionally draining I would try to work I would try to work and write so I worked this is this is before remote working was ever a thing so I'm at (laughs) an actual job trying to write on my break and my my neighbor's looking at me like you all right and I'm like in tears because there's stuff that I've gone through one my tears were what are people going to think of me are they going to judge me? Because I'm I'm sanctified, Brandy, now. But I'm telling you about the unsanctified things that I've done. Um, the things that I know people are going to judge me for. Like things like I talk about not wanting to be a mother. But I talked to my daughter about it before I put it in the book. I didn't know her as a person. I just knew I didn't want to be a mother at 20 years old. I was already heavily judged by my family. And bringing a baby out of wedlock because that's what we're taught, you know, um, I knew that I would be under heavy scrutiny. So I, I had to deal with talking to my child at 13 years old saying, when I put this in this book, I don't want people to come to her and go, your mama don't love you. You right. 
And like, I knew that's what was, and that's exactly what happened. But she was able to square, look them in the eye and say, yes, she does. She didn't know me because I said, listen, I love you because I know you now. But at 20 years old, I didn't know you. And I had to grow into motherhood. Unlike some people who have children, they are very excited about it. They have a a very supportive system. I didn't have that. Um, Not at first. And so I had to dig really deep in order to present something of quality that I didn't um, take away. I didn't trauma dump and just not leave you with answers. So I gave you all the things that I went through and then how I came out of them. Uh, And it was really so to answer, how did I feel? I felt everything. I felt sad. I felt depressed. I felt angry. Uh, I told a story on Facebook the other day, my core. Uh, in my lap while I was writing, I fell asleep. I had a major. I think, we, uh, I think we went out for a second. So you were saying that you uh, you fell asleep. Yes, I fell asleep with my laptop in my lap, and my cord burned in night, and I could have died. <clears throat> and when that happened, I was like, "All right, God, I'm gonna write it because this was before Amazon was doing two day shipping, and so I was gonna have to wait ten days for it. Just so many hiccups. I had surgery in the between of trying to write my book in nine months, just like how a baby is born. I started in October of 2013. He changed the book in 20 in December of 2013. So I literally wrote my book in seven months because then I had to get it published. I didn't know how to publish it. So there's more frustration. And I'm like, (laughs) God, where are you? You're telling me to do these things. Of course, I went through the class. But because I had so many hiccups, I missed a few classes. And I know maybe she told us how to do it. I can't say that she didn't. But when it was time for me to push go, um, send it to print, I didn't know how to publish. I had a, bo- a written book. I didn't know how to find an editor. I didn't know how to get it to Amazon. I didn't know how to do nothing. And I said, well, God is written. So I guess I'm going to just put it on the shelf until you send me somebody else. And he said, you have an aunt that wrote 10 books. Why don't you call her? And I was like, oh. So you want me to call somebody that I know and tell them that I wrote? Because I didn't tell my family I was writing a book. And so I called her and she was like, here's what I know. She went through a traditional publisher. She didn't self-publish. So here's more hiccups to these are the two things I know start there. And then one day I heard God whisper, calm down. Don't be so frustrated. You're going to turn around and teach people how you did this. <laughs> Listen, uh, G-O-D. There's a lesson in everything, right? <laughs> uh, I didn't really ask for this. So people always say, you know, was being a publisher your dream? It was absolutely not. But when all the things came to be, when I press go on that publish, when I print, you're talking about the emotions and the feelings that came with seeing that book in my hands. Even at the point of them delivering it to me, they lost my books. I was supposed oh. to... Texas with um, Hardy. I can't remember the first name, but you know, Apostle Hardy, um, uh-huh. their big um, conference. And so the, the authors, we released our book at their conference and my books didn't come before the plane was supposed to leave. And so I Chris, called uh, Chris yes, and Pamela. Yes, Chris and Pamela. I forever did. This is an amazing ministry, amazing ministry moment. I get to I mean, I released my book in front of, I think it was 30,000 people might have came through there. 
And so when Amazon called, I mean, when I called Amazon and told them my, I think I ordered 40 books, they were like, all right, we'll send you 40 to your house and we'll send you 40 to Texas. And so it was just, it was overwhelming because all these things are happening. You're thinking, okay, I'm on. To the finish line and I'm not even going to be able to cross it and and I just wanted to give up but then I remembered what's the song say I don't believe he brought me this far to leave him and I always continually play that in my head and when I got to Texas I sold out of books and when I got on the plane to come back my and I my inbox was blowing up can you tell me how to do it and I said God you are not a man that will lie. Uh, and that's how I started. Ever since. And that was 2014. So, the, what was your goal? Uh, because you mentioned how this was something that you'd never asked for. Uh, you know, uh, what was your what was your plan? If you had not wrote this book, if you had <laughs> not, you know, you got the dream and and you know, you say, you know what? I just don't want to write this book. I don't. This is just something I don't want to do. I don't want to pour my emotions out. I want to. I don't want to give the world this. What was your alternate plan? Oh, you don't know, Travis. My alternate <laughs> plan was to be a Dallas cowgirl and I'm a police <laughs> officer. So those are all. I put that in the book too. So when I first graduated, or before graduation, I had already did the MEPS test. That's the Army test, and that's mm-hmm. why I, that's why I look so cute in that uniform because I was really supposed to be an MP. <laughs> so <laughs> and, and that's what I was. <laughs> so um, I when I graduated high school right before I had did the MEPS test and I was going to be a Dallas cowgirl and I was going to be an MP and I don't even know how I was going to do fell and busted my knee and all of those dreams sank and that was when I was 17 so by the time I was 20 that's when Naya came along and, and life just started kind of shifting in different ways and it was just the, the one passion that I always kept was acting and writing always been in theater and things like that ever since I was young and so that I guess my outpour of you know being with people meeting people telling stories so I, I just told them in a different way and they right. were my personal stories <laughs> for the world to see and so and and but that's you know simply what our testimony is is telling our story and I think uh with it being so raw, I, I wasn't surprised why you say you know you sold out because when you put something so raw out there, people are going to eat it up, right? You know, because they're they're the the one thing that people are looking for and have always been looking for is just authenticity. Mm-hmm. I believe that they just want they want to know how they want to see how authentic you are, right? And like you know, we can read you know. I know us as black people, we definitely can, but you know, we can read through the bull mm-hmm. real quick. Right. And with it being so much out there, you know, people are just like, just give me that one thing that's real. Just give me some truth. Um, something, even if I'm not able to do it on my own, just give me that little glimpse into somebody that has done it. Right. Uh, you know, some uh, it's just a little motivation that right. everybody's looking for. 
Well, like you talked about this new generation, I think that we were on the heels of the final generation that was taking the was willing to take the fluff, the BS. Uh, I don't know how are you 35, 34, something like that? I'm 36. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I'm 42 and I just remember, and that's pretty much that, that 10 year gap between our parents and our children. And so we're in that in between generation of, we're looking at our parents and grandparents going, mm, something ain't quite right about how y'all cover up every, I mean, everything. Nobody want to tell the truth. Like nobody want to say who did it and why they did it and how they did it. Nobody want to tell the truth. Okay. And then you have my child is 23 now or 22 should be 23 this year and she's looking at me like what we gonna do and i'm looking at her like we gonna tell the truth if you don't want to come tell them i'm not coming if you don't like a person i mean you ain't got to be rude about it but just tell them um shoot your shot elsewhere um you know don't (laughs) um you know you know what they say no cap we're not capping um we're not capping in the season and that was one thing that i had to write with was transparency and authenticity i know exactly what it's like to be betrayed i know exactly what it's like to love somebody and they slap you in your face i know exactly what it's like to serve and not be served back i know exactly what it's like i'm not gonna fluff it for you and, and pretend like it was all giggles the whole time when it wasn't now I could tell you how God used the situation and I could tell you how God brought me through I can't tell you the other person's side of the story but I can tell you what happened to me and so for me living a transparent and authentic life is I'm not capping <laughs> I'm not lying about nothing I'm not um, pretending like it's okay when it's not because our parents came through that that's why they're um and as you mentioned mental health earlier I will have my degree in behavioral and uh, mental and behavioral health studies this time next year because of that thank you I'm the GOAT Travis you know I see (laughs) I don't get much sleep but I'm out here trying to change the world the best way I know how before my time ends whether that could be at 100 or that could be in 100 minutes and we never know but what I do know is that the blueprint that I'll leave here if nobody else follows it my child can follow it she can read six books she can go to several TikToks she can go to several YouTubes and find something that says what should I do next how am I supposed to navigate life and as a black woman I've never been a black man so I don't know how it is but as a black woman life looks different for you than other than the others and so I got to teach you how to be quiet sometimes I have to teach you how to stand down I have to teach you how to have emotional intelligence and I have to also show you how to walk into a room and own it without ever saying anything because they're not going to teach you that and so um, for me, the, the target audience continues to change with each message that I give and each story because I know different people need different things. But my main thing for people, and I don't care what kind of person you are or who you are, is to get to the root of your issue and not necessarily be so angry about it that you can't move forward, but identify why you make these decisions that you make. You know, why do you run to the refrigerator every time the day doesn't go that the way you wanted it to go? Why do you keep picking the same jerk to 
date over and over and over who left you 10 years ago and you're still trying to find love that person's love in the next three or four people and you're not choosing different because you're still hurting about two or three years ago so so my goal for all people is to identify what hurts why it hurts and to make new decisions because I'm no longer that person I'm no longer that betrayed person I'm no longer that person that's not forgiving I'm no longer that person who can't love unconditionally or or know when it's my time to walk away because I think also pain because we don't want to deal with it we stay too long we stay in things too long because we're like ah this is gonna hurt really bad I'm just gonna stick it out and you know good and doggone well you should have been gone two years ago Look now, see you. You are saying a mouthful. Uh, I mean, you are like people are gonna have to go back and, and rewind this just to hear that all again because that was a mouthful. Uh-huh. And like it, it's it's crazy. I'm just sitting back here and I'm thinking about the relationship that I've had with you and how transparent you have been. Like your authenticity has been uh, transparent. Like you've just been this authentic person from the time that I met you. And still going, like I, I can remember times where I would sit back and we would, uh, I would see you post pictures on Facebook, and I'm like, now I know I was just at church with her the other day, like, <laughs> you know, like, and at that time, like I was super Christian, like, you know, I, I was super Christian. I was like, if I, if my prophet title was up there, right, um, and so I was just like, now I know she was just at church, and then now he, here she is. Looking like she just walked out of somebody's club. Like, right. what's going on? And I probably but, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but it taught me because I was like, you know what? I'm sitting here looking at her, judging her when she's out here living life and she still has a relationship with God. Like she, her relationship with God has not changed. Mm-hmm. Anytime she feels some type of way, uh, she's feeling depressed. You know, I always see her at the altar. Mm-hmm. I always see her in the church doing she's at least in the church doing something mm-hmm. and even when she wasn't at the church there was a phone I can, I remember even when you wasn't in the church I can remember st- sitting in the living room uh, 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 at Reggie's house in the living room and uh, just talking to him you calling me like hey I know I wasn't at church but blah 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 you know right. whatever y'all's conversation was I remember seeing him getting those phone calls uh, and so like you have taught me how to just be transparent in certain areas um, and not care about, you know, what what people are going to say. Like, it's helped me get to the place that I am now that, you know, I have a relationship with God. Uh, you know, I'm a gay black man out here right. uh, and, and still in the ministry. Right. And uh, contrary to what others would believe, my relationship with God is great. Right. <laughs> I believe it. Um, but you have taught me, you know, to live my true self, be, be my true self, be my authentic self, no matter what it is or where it is. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If I'm right, I'm right. Right. You know, who cares? At the end of the day, I'm going to be my true self. Right. Um, and I, that, and go ahead. No, nah, I was just, amen, corner. Yeah, amen. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that's, that's the, uh, but that was one of the things that was on my dear God letter uh, is, you know, uh, dear God, teach me to be myself. Like teach me to, to love who I am and to, to embrace who I am. Uh, and that kind of got, 
they got doing kind of, but they got ticked off the list because I had you as an example to be able to see that you, you can still do what you like, you can still do what you love, you can still be who you are, and you can still have a relationship with me. Right. Amen. Well, I mean, so my thing is when it comes down to that, I get a lot of young people, younger than I say young, but just younger than me, and I feel. I feel the weight of validation and the weight of people pleasing because I have it really bad. I still have to consider, um, is this a brandy thought or is this a the 12 pastors that I've sat under, my parents, <laughs> my grandparents, like whose thought, is this really what I want to be doing? Is this what God has shown me to do or is this... A brandy thought and then I got to go back to God and be like it's my brandy thought a good thought but at the end of the day like I see the the anguish sometimes on people's faces and lo and behold even like you like and I thank you for that I never knew that Travis you're gonna try to make me proud <laughs> a young lady had came to me at work one day and she was like I want to cut my hair her hair was down her back and she was she wanted to fade um you know cute little little fade and I was like well cut your hair she was like 21 and she was like my parents are going to kill me as a black girl and she was like my parents are going to unlove me and I was like for hair it's it's just hair though she was like but you don't understand my parents are pastors and I was like oh no but I do understand I said yeah. this is what you do you go cut your you tell your parents hey today's the day I'm going to cut my hair now they won't be surprised now they might give you an ugly look but which surprise factor do we want here and so well I've been telling them I want a haircut should I cut it a little I said no at what point are you going to tear away from the desire to be loved or you going to love you so so you know your parents love you and if they love you for some hair that's between them and God (laughs) right oh she came back hair was gone looked great and you know I had did the big chop one time so of course yes tell you not to the big chop chop right but what I don't is that there's a becoming that we all have to go through and if part of my becoming strips me naked in front of people so be it and it's happened it's happened many times and I'm like god is this the becoming part because I don't want it and god is like yes that's why I had the big shop uh, because that's part of, that's in my book. Also, I was in a domestic violence shelter. I got to go read the whole book to figure out how I got there. But I was in a domestic right. violence shelter and I remember standing in the mirror fixing my wig and God said, take it off and cut all your hair off. <laughs> uh, here you go. Playing these games again, God. And um, no, because I found validation in people's acceptance. And that's what he told me. He said, you look for acceptance way too much. And I'm going to get this out of you. I'll take the wig off, but I ain't cut my hair. So I went to I went to Sally's and I was standing in the um, aisle and the lady beside me, she was like, what you going to do with your hair? That's what we do at the beauty supply store. And I was like, yeah, I'm thinking about big chopping, but I think I'm going to just put some color for right now. And God's like, really? That's not what I told you to do. (laughs) And the lady (laughs) takes off her hat and she said, you should do it. It's the best thing I ever did. And I said, okay, God, I went back to my room, cut all my hair off, went to work. And all the women was like, 
the women was like, you did it. It looks so, and I wasn't at that time, wasn't looking for validation, but I was like, God, nobody, I don't know, man gonna want me. I got no hair. All of these thoughts that weren't my thoughts just kept coming to me. So when this young lady was like, um, yeah, I'm gonna cut all my hair off. The next thing she come back and said, I want to go to the military, but my parents don't want me to go. <laughs> so I had, all, I had instantly become like her. Yo. You you were her checkbox. Right. She, right. she was she checking them off. <laughs> one person. And I said, listen, the best thing I ever did was to tear away from the opinion, opinions of people. And like you said a minute ago, if I'm right, I'm right. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But the same God that you introduced me to, is he not the same? The one that said, I'll be with you if you make your bed in hell. I will be with you if you make your bed in heaven. But That's I don't know which one is right if I have to keep constantly listening to people in my ear, try to control the narrative. I don't know if this is your narrative for my life, my narrative for my life, or God's narrative for my life. So let me figure it out. That's why I'm not too hard on my child if she ever hears this. That's why I try, even when she, I know this is probably going to land her on her face. I would give her a tiny bit of advice if she asks for it but I mostly give her I push her you're like yeah girl you can do it and I'm thinking Lord Jesus please don't let this end bad but sometimes we need to feel that bottom we need to feel that hurt we need to feel what this decision feels like because if it's not the right one some of us because we was military raised we don't learn from nothing else but pain we don't learn unless we get knocked on our back a few times and be like, all right, now, are you done? Yep, I'm done. <laughs> and so, um, lastly, the young lady comes back and says uh, she's leaving. And I have bought her like a little teddy bear for the uh, military. She ended up going to the reserves. And the last time I seen her, she had actually um, changed her name and she is now Mill. And so... I was proud of her. I didn't, I, I, I knew, I kind of knew this is where this was going, but I understood it was not for me to judge or to tell her, no, don't be your authentic self that much. Cause you know, that's what people tell you. You can be authentic, but wait a minute. That's too authentic. No, if that's where you are and that's the God that that's the God in you trying to live in this earth, then by all means, don't let nobody stop you. Just be sure that this is a God decision and not a you decision or you trying to keep up with the, the societal standards of the world. And I think the word also tells us what's the one that said conform to this world to the world. Transformed the by beach. the doing of your mind. Yep. Yeah. Because we can be transformed by many things. And so we have to be very careful that what we're attaching ourselves to, what we're conforming to, is indeed God and not society. Look, preacher, preach, don't do this. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you about made me get up my seat and ran. Don't do this. Because <laughs> you, 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 you preaching over there. I do my best. Look, you, you. Okay, let me get myself together because I, I about took some laps. I forget you a preacher sometimes. Right. <laughs> she, there, there's another calling on your life, but she, baby. Okay, so it's <laughs> that was good stuff. That was so good. Uh, 
because it, it's crazy to me. Like I'm, I'm, I'm over here and I'm emotional and I, I, I'm like so happy for you because when you tell these stories, I remember, I can see myself not knowing what was going on. Right. But remembering sitting there and hearing the conversation, kind of being like the fly on the wall right. uh, and seeing you go through the depressions and seeing you go through, you know, life. And then, you know, especially when you talk about your homeless time, um, your homeless area. And, and, you know, I was in, at, like, we were both in there at the same time, you know, right. both of us homeless at the same time. And being able to remember being on that floor or on that couch at Reggie's house um, and you know the only thing we knew to do was hey y'all let's have a worship session you know let's just cry out to God like let's let's put it on the table and let's take it to the altar because I don't know anything else to do I'm feeling like I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it because those were some powerful nights that just you know you don't know what it takes for a person to get through right. uh, in, in order to get to the place that they're at now. Right. And, you know, I don't, it, I, I can say, you know, even though I haven't been part of that ministry for so long, mm-hmm. um, I still consider myself connected to them. I, I stay in contact with them um, right. and I speak every now and then. But that was something that changed my life that, right. you know, when I was writing. I, w- I would say when I was writing my deepest dear God letters, like, God, why are you putting me through this? Like, right. God, why are you, like, just why? Like, especially when I was low, uh, in the beginning years of embracing my um, prophetic mantle and, you yeah. know, becoming the prophet uh, that he wanted me to be. Uh, those were times like that where I just remember writing my deepest and darkest dear God letters. Uh, because I would see things that I was, and then he would have me say things. And then I'd be like, okay, I, I know what I said. I know what you had me say. I know what you had me speak. But why is my life like this? Right. <laughs> right. You know, why, why am I in shambles? Like, why do I feel like I'm not getting anywhere? Why do I feel like I'm stuck? Why do I feel like I'm in a cycle? But you keep telling me to, you know, tell people they're going to get blessed and everything else. And I've never been a type of, you know, and, and, I've, and I've always said this, and I've never been a type of prophet that just goes out and tells everybody you're going to get houses, cars, and all this. Like, most of the times, and, and, I, and I believe you've seen it, most of the times it's, it's not even along those lines. Right. Uh, and so, you know, being able to just put all my thoughts and have those moments where, you know, it wasn't even about what we were going through, the fact that we were homeless. It was just, let's have a worship session. Right. And you know, that God did not allow us to be without our own homes at the time because we needed that. We needed to know how to cultivate worship and we needed to know what it was like to be in a family that was loving. And if Pastor Reggie ever hears this, I... I like you, I would not have made it through some of those times where I didn't have anywhere to go, or maybe I did, but it wasn't as loving and as welcoming as their environment. And so when you have an environment where you invite all kinds of people, I mean, I'm a 33 year old female with a daughter. You're, uh, I think at the time you were still in your twenties, <laughs> you know, we, <laughs> um, you know, other people in their twenties, we have people almost in their forties, you know, so it was a, all y'all come because I love 
all of y'all and I want to help everybody and we like you said we didn't know what to do with our our regular everyday life but God somehow threaded all of our lives together and we uh, held each other up whether it was hey can you come pick me up I don't have a ride or you know can you you know throw me ten dollars it was that type of family love that we don't didn't individually have and I used to say this all the time um Pastor Reggie was racing y'all <laughs> right but he was really raising me too I used to put I used to put it on y'all and be like Pastor Reggie he's right because y'all young y'all little but I wasn't without, um, you know, being raised as well because my father, which is what dealing with the hand I was dealt, my father was not there. And so I didn't know what a loving spiritual father looked like. I didn't know. I mean, like, and I went to a big mega church here. So, of course, you can't get to right. inviting you to. And I, I love the church. I mean, let me say that I love the church that was here. But to feel the closeness of a uh, body of of worshipers we did everything together <laughs> literally we going out to eat we're doing programs we're doing events and so y'all are like my little brother that's why I always tip back into y'all lives hey you doing good are you all right how you doing over there because he didn't bring us as far to leave us and so right. We're not necessarily in the same congregation. I'm so proud of everybody, La Brittany, um, you know, everything that I, I try to keep in contact with Marty. You know, I try to keep in contact, at least if I just say, hey, I see you and I'm proud of you. And it's like proud of me for what? For living and for, for moving on past all the chaoticness of what this life brought us at an early age. Right. I mean, we were definitely a big family. Uh, like, and, I, and I'm still like, and it's funny how we all stay connected because, like, I will speak, like, it's not like we have to talk every day, but we can, like, I've had conversations with Brittany. I've had conversations with Lizzie. I've had conversations with Lorenzo, uh, Alexis. Uh, I've had conversations with uh, Pastor Reggie. Like, and it's like, we've never, it could be, you know, months in between years in between but it's like we never dropped the conversation it was just like we were just talking yesterday right uh, it was we you know we were that close you know i even remember on sundays like nobody had got paid it was like right. we were all on the same pay week nobody had got paid everybody was broke everybody had just paid you know something we were broke at the point right it was, it was the point but that sunday after uh pastor reggie done preached Right. We did our church thing somehow, some way. We don't. We we have a whole table full of food. Right, exactly. I mean, they was in there. They be in there cooking up the storm. I'm like, where y'all get all this food from? Like, we knew y'all was gonna be hungry, so right, we made it happen. But what the funniest thing to me was that we would get all this food and nothing would match. Right, right, right. <laughs> it would not be your customary fried chicken, macaroni, cheese, collard greens potato salad it's not it wasn't your it was not your customary meal you may have pinto beans on one side fried fish on another side pasta salad yep. somebody might come out the blue with some some, some spaghetti right like, it right. was not like there was always there was, spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you wanted somebody about you somebody come out well I got some tacos all right well we're gonna add tacos to this fish and we had every cuisine at one time yeah and it was so fun because then we would sit down and it wouldn't even be 
I, I, I can honestly say the only time we really had the TV on is during football season. Yep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, and sometimes during basketball season. Sometimes during basketball season. But football season was the only time that we were sure that TV was surely going to be on. Any yep. other time, we was at the house. We were talking. We don't went to church. And I guarantee you, nine times out of ten, we're going to have church again at the house. Man, and and then and we'll, and look forward to it. And don't let it break out in a. And I remember those moments, like even being by myself. I remember just going to worship. Just don't even worry about what the secular stuff that you got going on. The stuff of the world is going to pass. I think that was one of the hardest things you say when I would call Pastor Reggie and tell him where I was at, because once God started elevating me, I was like. But I got to go to Pastor Reggie's house and God would be like, no, you got to go to Columbia or you got to, you know, people would call me to come speak and, and do workshops. And I'm like, but what about my family? <laughs> I got <laughs> my people. So that was really hard for me to accept the mantle of being an evangelist, because sometimes that meant not coming to church. And I was raised that you go to church every Sunday and every mm-hmm. Wednesday and sometimes Thursday and Friday, depending on who my mom was. Uh, she played the piano. So we went to church almost every day. And so, you know, coming into the family fold um, at the church and then God elevating this platform and I had to be gone on the weekend or I would come up, come home on a Sunday, but I had to miss church. That was one of the hardest things was to say, I'm not coming to church. But like you said, I, I would look like I've been at somebody's club or, you know, been out on the weekend. But you knew that I still had a relationship with God because he made me. I say he made me, but he he ushered me to know how to have a relationship with him, just him and not him it being in the building. If I couldn't make it to the building, I still had him. Right. And that's the, and that, that's the greatest part of that uh, is the relationship. Uh, and that's one of the things that we've always promoted. Uh, I remember, uh, I, I remember the uh, Apostle Reggie. He preached this message, uh, and he, he he would throw this word down our throats all the time. When I tell you this man uses this word so much that I started using it in my own preaching, he would always talk about Genosco. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and how he talked about how, and how he would break it down, and he was like, uh, the epitome of this word is no. <laughs> uh, knowledge. No. And, and, you know, he would tell us how, you know, the word no meant to have relationships with it, to build relationships. And that stuck with me throughout these years. The fact that, you know, the biggest thing that God really worries about is having that relationship with us. Mm-hmm. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. Just keep your relationship with me. Keep right. the line open with me. Right. And he would teach us that all the time. And I'm like I said, now, now, even now, like I find myself... I'll get in the book and I'll start reading and I'll start studying. I'm up, you know, scope right there. That's right. The relationship. That's the relationship. And that's one of the things that's always stuck with me uh, from him is relationship and even even taking it further. To, and it, yeah, taking it further, not even just the relationship with him, but then building relationship with, with others um, to where, you know, um, just like I was saying before, we could talk, we, we, we can, we have relationships with each other and we might not talk for months. Or years, but when we start talking again, it's like we never left. It's like we picked right, right up. Right. And you know, I, I even find that God did me the same way. Like 
when I took my break from the church, I was just like, you know, I don't want to deal with the church. I just want to go out and do me. You know, I'm tired of the whole church world. And I did that for three years. And when I finally got done with all that, and I said, you know what, I'm going to go back to God and I, I'm, I'm going to live this life for him. And I'm going to. And I had and I still had all my questions about life. Like, you know, I want to do this, but I also want to serve God. Like, how do I do both? Right. And I finally broke free and got to the place where I could say, you know what? I can maintain my relationship with God and I can do, you know, whatever it is, I, I, A, B, and C. Um, because, and another thing that, like, this is another thing Apostle Reggie taught us is, you know, I'm not going to let everybody else's conviction be my conviction. Right, right. You know, uh, if I'm not convicted by it, if I don't feel no way about it, if I don't feel guilty about it, I'm going to live life. Right. Uh, and that's one of the biggest things that he's ever taught taught me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was, you know, that's a big, like, like I said, that was a big thing on my Dear God um, letter uh, when I was going through those dark times because I wanted to know who I was, you know, mm-hmm. and how can I live life and be happy and still have this relationship that, you know, I grew up with, you know, this church thing that I've grown up with because I don't want to lose one. I don't want to pick, but I don't want to lose one either. Right. Uh, and so that was, you know, you have to, that it all ties into, you know, with, with the title of your book, you know, uh, dealing with the hand I was dealt, um, uh, you know, going back and looking at issues, uh, within yourself, uh, even to, like I said, like, like I said, I was thinking, I, I, the whole time you're talking, you know, I'm just thinking about the fact that I was part of this in some way, somehow, I might not have been the intricate piece to it, mm-hmm. but, you know, I was part of it, and, like, even when you're talking about the big chop, uh, I think about the time, like, when I was in ministry, and I decided I wanted to cut my hair and go bald, mm-hmm. and, you know, usually this is something that, you know, women go through. You don't hear too many men talking about, oh, I did a big chop. But for me, it was like, even though I wear my hair in the fade, like to wear my hair bald right, was a big chop for me because, um, one, as a man, I, ne- I didn't have a reason to go bald. Right. I didn't have I didn't have a receding hairline. I didn't have patches. I got a good grain of hair. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, uh, so to go bald uh, for me... Uh, it was like a big chop because I I do I can say that I noticed that in my time of ministry, that was probably was one of the most powerful time of ministries mm-hmm. uh, that I had uh, is when I went bald. Uh, I was just opening. Uh, I had just at that time I had just started a uh, Key Dimensions Church. Uh, we were traveling. We were going to other. I was going to other people's churches preaching. Uh, and and the thing was like I wasn't even going to like big time churches. I was going to like back in the like my assistant pastor Zach at the time. He was like getting me connects to all. Pastor Zach was the one who was getting me all the connects to the places I was going. I it would it was crazy because because I had already been known in the church world and a lot of people had known me uh, from Beyond the Veil. Um, I thought I was going to be getting you know speaking engagements everything because I had that connection right and I can probably say out of all the connections that I had through Beyond the Veil I probably only did two speaking engagements oh wow uh, with two people mm-hmm. uh, uh, 
one uh oh I can't remember that pastor's name. Uh and it was so crazy. Uh that's gonna be some other stuff that I'm about to talk about on my on the show. Uh when I get into my part of my when I start telling people my life and because it's crazy how some of these things line up. But uh I probably look. I probably look. Just sitting here thinking about. It, I probably need to come take some classes from you so I can start writing a book. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> I'm just sitting here thinking like, Lord, why, why you ain't wrote a book yet? Because you got some stuff you can tell. Right. Uh, as long as you can tell the the tale and tell how it is beneficial and how someone can make it over, uh, because I think that's the glue. So the so we can all tell what we've gone through and at the end on the last page we could say and God saw me through but I think what people really want to know is how God saw you through what did you do and did you retaliate did you get angry yes I was angry yes when the girl married my ex-fiance was I angry absolutely but what did I do to overcome that that's the part of the book that a lot of people leave out. So yes, I think you have an awesome testimony and I think you should definitely put it out there because there are a lot of men, period. But there's not a lot of black men that write books. Um, I did a study a couple of weeks, a couple of months ago when I had to do a book fair and in the writing community and the book community, less than 15% of books published are by black male authors. Oh, wow. Yes, I definitely think that you should go ahead and get yours out there so everybody else that's a black male can come tell their story. And then gay black male, of course, is less than that because nobody wants to hear, um, you know, that side of the, the track's testimony. Right. We might not want to hear it, but it needs to be heard. We need to understand what life looks like before the decision, during the decision, after the decision. How do people treat you? You know, do they treat you worse? Do they treat you better? There's other people that's going to have your same exact road. They're going to have to tell their family. They're going to have to tell their children. They're going to have to tell their spouse. You know, so I think that transparency and authenticity, especially when you're living a truth that is not acceptable by societal standards, it definitely definitely needs to be told so that people will know there is a safe world that you can live in. And this is how I did it. And hopefully it'll help you, too. Most definitely. I've I've, uh, I've sat down and I've started writing some books like I've just. I know I have it in me uh, because when I write, I write in such a, like, it's just crazy when I write. Um, I was writing a paper. Um, I was going through a class, um, like, uh, a Christian class um, with the church, and we had to write about, uh, it was a prophetic class, actually, and we had to write about the beginnings of how do we, how do we, how do we know that we were a prophet and how did it come to us and I was starting to write uh, I got to this behind the computer and I started to type out the story of how it happened I was looked at it and I was like dang like there's a lot of adjectives in here <laughs> there's a lot of this this is the, this story is kind of uh, juicy like did I write this right and I sent it in I sent it in to, to our professor at the time and he sent it back and he was just like I really felt like I lived it oh uh, 
you know, he's like, I really felt like I lived the story. And mind you, it was only maybe, uh, maybe an eight paragraph, two, no more than two pages mm-hmm. uh, of that story of how I uh, came into knowing that I was a prophet. Uh, and the stories that dates back to when I was seven years old. Um, it's the cutest story. Um, I tell it some other time. But, uh, you know, he the, the fact that he said, you know, I felt like I lived it. I was like, at that point, I was like, I know I can write a book. Amen. I just got you know, I just got to get myself, but I just got to make myself do it, you know, and, and sit and not just not think about it so much, but just get behind it and just start typing it. I started writing another, another book um, and I haven't finished that yet. Uh, probably scared to put that one out because it's more of a uh, uh, erotic book uh, <laughs> but uh, oh, <laughs> I don't post but I do know people who do and to piggyback off what you said um, to, I never really asked myself when did I know I was a prophet but I think I can remember uh, when I understood that so some my aunt who is very pivotal in my relationship with God, kind of like how we were at Pastor Reggie's house all the time, praying and worshiping. She mm-hmm. had a prayer room in her her home, and we would have to go in there and, and was it Terry, all night long. Mm. I'm 26, 27 years old. Terry ain't on my list of things to do. Ain't that it? <laughs> but she would be like, oh, but she had books. And I love Joyce Meyer, T.D. Jakes, people like that. And this is before Audible and all of that stuff. So I would just sit in there. I, I had a passion for leadership, not knowing I had a passion for leadership, if that, if that makes sense. So I would love reading the how to, you know, win and be successful um, I think Joyce Meyer had one uh, just enough light for the step that you're on so I was always hungry for how to get this life together quickly at that and I remember her looking at me saying what's the word for the day and I was like what she's like what's what God's what is God saying and I'm like I don't know and she's like just think about it and come back to me and I was like okay so I was like God what are you saying and I came back and he and 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 God spoke to me in words so this was before I was an author or anything and and I sat down and I heard it's like it's like heaven had opened up and I wrote her this long like two pages I was like here this is what God said and and I walked away and ever since then I would be sitting in church and I don't know have I ever given you a written prophecy before uh, I no, but you've given you've given uh, uh, you've given Pastor Reggie one. Yep, I've I've given him one in the pulpit, and I'm thinking, God, um, okay, I will, the mega church that I used to go to, I will be sitting there, and God be like, give it to the own um, person in the blue shirt on your way out, and I'm like, okay, and so that's how I knew I was a prophetic scribe. I think it's what they call it. Mm-hmm. Oh. I literally can sit down, think of a person or God will drop a person in my spirit because I really don't be thinking about nobody but myself. And then all of a sudden, God will be like, send this person a message and tell them this. And I'm like, I ain't trying to be all up in nobody business, God. And But since I got it, um, here it is. And so um, I think I was probably 27 or 28 years old. And then when I was in the shelter, I remember God telling me that I would go around the world and tell my story and I was like what story that this is before I was an author or anything like that I wasn't a preacher I wasn't nothing I hadn't been in a pulpit maybe to 
for youth day or something like that but not a motivational speaker and nothing and i'm at a domestic violence shelter with 30 other women fighting for our life and i hear god say uh when all this is wrapped up you're going to travel around the world and tell your story and i'm like okay and and then i had flipped to jeremiah something says i have called you as a prophet to the nations and I was like, for real, you know, prophets go through hell. I mean, I don't, can, can you give me a different one? Because that's a lot of weight that comes with being a prophet. And so I was about 30 at that time. I was probably 30, 31. And I said, finally, I just said, okay, God, if you say it and you show me who it goes to, and I will, I will say what thus saith the Lord. I remember, uh, <laughs> I remember being at Bionneville, uh, and this is when we got the new building, and we're over there in Taylor's, you know, living the big life. We thought we made it. Yes, honey. <laughs> we just knew we made it. Mm. Uh, and, and I remember uh, saying to you, uh, God told me to tell you you're a prophet. Yep. And the look that you had on your face. <laughs> Like, I didn't know if I was about to get shot, slapped, killed, thrown. I don't know what was about to happen. Right. But it was like, you was ready to kill me. Right. But at the same time, you were at peace with what I said. Right. Because <laughs> I was like, nah. God, you got me over here delivering words. And God, I got a fear for my life now. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the next step was. Right. Oh. <laughs> um, but I just remember that moment, and you know, I, I think I, I feel like it was probably around that time where you had got to that place where you was like, okay, I know what you want me to do, and you right. was asking all them questions like, but you know, this is what it comes with, like, right? You're not telling me to do something that I'm not that I'm not knowledgeable of, right? I'm not doing it because I am knowledgeable of it, and that ain't <laughs> the life I want. <laughs> not at all. I've heard. <laughs> tragic stories about prophets especially the ones in the bible they always by themselves god always send them to somewhere they didn't want to go to deliver and shake up a whole bunch of people and then tell them bye okay now that y'all all tossed up and it's all everybody crying and laying on the floor and trying to consider what was your life and what is it gonna be i'm gone and i was just i was terrified um uh, and just from knowing that First of all, I was honored that God would choose me because I do understand that it's a high calling. But I also knew that me walking into such fiery darts was just more attacks. And at that point, I don't think I had learned how to fight in the spirit. I'm still learning, but it was just like all I could see was fight. I couldn't see blessing. I couldn't see open doors. I couldn't see none of that because I, it's like I was always on the bottom. It was like even, you know, y'all y'all like, you're doing great. Keep going. You're published author. And I'm thinking, but y'all don't see these bullet wounds in my body. Mm-hmm. Maybe you did. Like, that's why you're so, you were so encouraging and y'all always be checking on me, but it was the bullet wounds for me. Like, okay, God, do the, do the prophet, do the, the, the mantle of prophet also come with a shield because, um, <laughs> the way that I have to get shot up, um, in the spirit realm, um, whether I'm interceding on behalf of somebody, um, now that I understand and I have people, thousands of people following me, whether it's coaching, book writing, publishing, uh, especially publishing, uh, 
a dynamic story like yours. Um, I get a lot of women that come to me want to talk about how they were molested as kids by their families. Um, those are very tragic stories. And I know the enemy don't want the truth. And guess the person writing, the author gets attacked, but I also get attacked. And it's like, but I, but now that I know that's part of the prophetic mantle, we're telling truth, we're delivering people, we're, we're setting people free from their past, the enemy's coming. And now that I know he's coming, I just stay girded up <laughs> in my loins and all the things so, so that when it does happen, it don't shake me as bad. And that's probably my 42-year-old um, version of me now. But the 30-year-old version was shook. It was like a prophet. And then God had already told me I wouldn't be in a pulpit. He had he he showed me that I was a um I will be a I was I was ordained to be a minister, but I would not have a pulpit. That's what he told me. Um and I said, What do that mean? And this was again I think I was early thirties, and he said, You'll go out into the world, you'll be at work, people will start walking up to you saying, Um, how do you do it? How do you keep going when we know all the stuff you go through? <laughs> How are you doing this? And you will help people see the light even in the darkness. I remember him telling me all this stuff and I'm like, what do this even mean? And now that I've seen it happen time and time again, I can encourage other people that the bullets are coming. The darts are coming. The the, the negativity is coming, but you're going to survive. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, Going into what you were saying uh, about, you know, it, it's funny that you said it because I was sitting back and I was thinking about how a lot of prophets, they are in places where they shouldn't be. And not just prophets, like just people in general, like they're, they're in positions that shouldn't be uh, because they don't understand uh, what their mantle is. Uh, for you, you, you knew that uh, I would minister, you would minister, but you wouldn't be in a pulpit. And the thing is, a lot of people think as soon as you get a title, as soon as you get some type of mantle, that uh, the first place you're supposed to go to is the pulpit. Right. What's valid? Hey. They want that. That pulpit says that God called me and the people believe it. Right. <laughs> I, I think that, and I'm not going to lie for a long time, even though I heard God say that, I really wanted a piece of paper. I really wanted somebody to say, you know what? I see your gift. And many people will say that I see your gift, but I have yet <laughs> to be told to get ordained or, you know, all, and I'm, I, I, I'm a coach. I give out life coach certifications. I'm getting a degree. I believe in paper. Um, <laughs> but if God is that as my humble, I feel like God will use it to keep me humble because desiring that pulpit may have kept me out of the streets. It may have, I may have been so focused on getting in the pulpit that I forgot about all the people of the world who may not never go to church, who may not step foot in a church. They don't even want to see a preacher, but they'll walk up to me because I got on my club outfit from last night. Um, <laughs> not knowing that when they walk over here, they think they're getting club brandy. But what's about to happen is that we're all going to get delivered. This outfit, because I think it's cute. But what was what's about to happen is we're going to deal with the hand we was dealt. <laughs> and that's girls always say that to me, too. They be like, you're so cool. I didn't think you was a preacher. <laughs> if that's what you want to call it, that's fine. <laughs> um, but I, I do believe that God used my personality 
and, and I think he does that for all of us. Um, I have a, a young lady who walked up to me when I was going to the big church, the mega church, and she said, you look so cool. Um, are you saved? And I said, yes, I am. And she said, I want to, she was like 19. I think I might've been 24. And she said, can you teach me how to read the Bible? And um, I just want to be like you. And the girl didn't even know me. We've been friends for 13 years now. Um, but she said that I just had the friendliest, she's not scary look. Um, and I, I just always believe that God uses exactly who you are, where you are, for whatever needs to be done. Because a lot of these preachers and pastors, I think they're great. Some of them are great people. Some of them are garbage. But there's so many people out here that will never even want to step foot in a pulpit to preach at all. But they got word in their belly for days. And they just mm-hmm. need somebody to walk over to them and say, hey, like my aunt used to say, what does God say? She's, she's in a nursing home now, you know, praying that she gets healed. She had a stroke. But even now, she'll call me and be like, hey, prophet. That's what she calls me. She'll be like, all right, prophet, what's the word of the Lord? And so now that we're older, I believe that I'm now carrying the mantle that she's now going through her healing process. But she'll call and be like, all right, what's going on with the family who need healing? Are you praying for them? Are you laying hands? And I'm like, man, I'm tired. but I do believe that those mantles from our families come down and when she was calling me I would go to her house before I was going to go to the club and I would just go because she was on the way to the club so I'm like I'm gonna stop and see my aunt and she'd be like I'm praying for you and my best friend's name at the time her name was Sparkle and so here we are with two famous names Brandy and Sparkle and so (laughs) we would come by and she'd be like I'm praying for y'all and I'm like that's fine but we still headed out so she said one day you're not gonna go you're not even gonna want to go back and I was like huh whatever and surely probably not even two years later I gave it all up and was like all right God let's do it and I don't even say he told me not to go it was just that I was looking for something that I didn't need to be looking for amen and I was bringing more stuff home that I needed to be bringing home, amen, um, and Amen. sending me on this downward spiral of fun, yes, but unfulfilled, and I think a lot of young people, they really go through it now, social media, I was like, if we had social media back then, I'd be, yeah, I'm glad we didn't have it, but they're on this, this downward spiral of validation, trying to go get something that really doesn't exist, and they come home unfulfilled and God broke that off of me early probably the time I was 25 God is like talk to me I'll show you what he looked like and you're gonna get a couple of people that's counterfeit but stick with me and I'm doing something in your life right and that's the that's like one like like your life is just amazing oh. um, to, to hear the stories and to see you know, and, and especially for me, like like I said for me, like I said before, especially for me to be one of those people that got to be the fly on the wall. Uh, like your life is just amazing, um, and the woman and the person that you have become and are now, it's just a lovely spirit. Uh, Thank you. Like I enjoy every. I've always enjoyed conversation with you. Uh, it's just refreshing um 
it's, it's very refreshing. You get to you get to have funny moments, um, and I know that like I'm, I I hope that everybody that has that is listening that you've enjoyed the conversation between Brandy and I. Um, I hope you've got to feel you know some sad moments, some happy moments, some you know just different moments of our emotions. Because I mean, it, I think we were all over the map today. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Like we today was an emotional roller coaster for me because just to just to know and to and, and to oh my god it was an emotional roller coaster for me. Uh, well, you did wonderful. Um, as a podcaster and interviewer myself, I'd have told you alone. I'd have texted you in the back line and been like, uh, "Let me, I'm gonna help you out," um, because <laughs> but you <laughs> job. I hope that you keep it up and keep going and anything new. It's going to feel like this. And it's good that you feel the emotion of it because if you was just trying to hurry me along or hurry yourself along and not, we just talked about being authentic and transparent. So if we try to stick to a script, how authentic and transparent would that have felt? So you have to be exactly who you are in order to gain the audience of the people that you're looking for. Exactly. You know what? I was thinking because, um, I had been thinking for a while. I was like, you know, what's the tagline going to be for Unrated Mitch? You know, what's the tagline? And, you know, I think the tagline is just going to be just authentic. I love it. Just authentic. Like, that's because that's what you're going to get. Like, that's the whole purpose of this, of having these conversations, to, to deal with emotions and talk about emotions and, and, and to, you know, be who you are and feel who other people are. Uh, we got to, uh, well, before we... Uh, we're going to close out in a second before we close out uh, we got a letter from one of our one of our listeners uh, and they're from Union, South Carolina actually uh, our home state uh, my home state, South Carolina is your home state too right? Absolutely when I'm yeah. here but when you're there <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she wrote uh, dear God first and foremost Thank you for any and everything you do. I wanted to start out with my insecurities. I've dealt with issues my whole life from having a finger amputated to being molested as a child, living from house to house, sleeping with folks, uh, couches, uh, even when they didn't want us there. Uh, Sleeping on folks' couches even when they didn't want us there. Now that I'm grown and married, I battle depression badly. It comes and goes. You can look at me and think I have it all together. But in all, I don't. Gospel music is my therapy. Sometimes I need that encouragement that I give to others. Tell me something that will ease my wondering mind. And she ends the letter with that. Um, What would you, what what would your response? Like, we know we're not God. And this is her dear God letter. But like, just as a, a sister, a friend. Uh, and Christ, like, what would your motivation, what would your encouragement be for her? I would say one thing that when I stand in the mirror, I don't like everything about me, but I love everything about me. And the reason why is because when God set the world in motion, every day that he created something, he looked at it and he said, that's good. On one of them days we was created and he said, that's good. He never went back and said, except for when he made Adam, he said, you know what? You need a partner and I'm going to take her out of your rib and ooh, like that's really good. I never heard God say 
anything he created was bad. And so with all the physicalities we have going on, I think I heard you say her finger was amputated. I can imagine being in a world of societal, we talk about societal standards, you know, a piece of me feels like it's missing, but all of you is whole. All of you is good and all of you is real good according to what the Bible says about us. And to, to always know that God don't make any mistakes. He makes no mistakes. So however you're built, whatever you look like, whatever you've gone through um, is, I believe it says, a righteous man's steps are ordered by the Lord. And so everything that you're doing, everything that you're going through, everything you've gone through is one of the steps that has been ordered by the Lord. And I do also believe it says that we were shaped. We were shaped in our mother's womb or he knew us before we were shaped in our mother's womb. So therefore, he already knew what we were going to go through. He knew what we were going to look like. He knew what our hair was going to look like. He knew how many fingers and toes we'd be in this world with. And God gave you enough to get the job done. Amen. That's 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 you always give them a mouthful. Amen. You always give them I, something to think it, about. Yeah, I want always multiple things. I want to say this also, and and because it's on recording, if, when you get to your fortieth, fiftieth letter, you let me know, and I'll publish the book for free. Oh wow! Okay. When you get to your 50th, 40th, 50th Dear God letter, now we'll have to get a permission from the people who are sending it in. But if they're, if it's, we can always tagline, you know, they don't have to put their name unless they want to. But I would be more than happy to do a compilation book of Dear God letters for you. Oh, wow. I'll take that. Good. Let's go keep, let's go keep, let's go keep me motivated to keep going, going forward. Yeah. So while you, you know, pinning your personal testimony you can use this as your platform to give it to other people to inspire we can put some line pages in there for people to write and take notes you know about what did they feel while they were reading you i'll let you you know put whatever in there you want but i will do this book for you for at no charge oh wow thank you thank you You i'm definitely gonna i'm definitely gonna be motivated to do this now now um i was already motivated but now i'm really motivated good good (laughs) I really motivated now. Uh, so that's uh, y'all. It's it, it, it's been great talking with you uh, and, nice. and conversing with you. Um, like I like I said, it was an emotional roller coaster. I'm just so happy. Um, I enjoyed this conversation. Uh, <clears throat> I should had like a whole list of questions. I was like, let me go, let me go <laughs> type up this whole list, and I was like. I got just looking at the list. I was like, well, we done covered that question, that question. I ain't even asked him yet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> my good 10 questions, we done covered. I ain't even asked him yet. Um, so, this, um, I'm, I'm pretty well versed in how this is about to go, especially if I'm talking to somebody I know. Like, if, if I didn't know you, I probably would have waited for, like, the, the plug and just let you, you know. But I feel like, especially when I talk to people I know, we already have a relationship, have an authentic conversation. So we're going to know already how to feed off of each other, which is, is even better. Right. Um, so this is it, y'all. Um, this is Unrated Mix. Um, the first episode, our Dear God episode. Um, next week, y'all turn in, uh, tune in next week um, for our... Uh, Episode two, which is going to be uh, titled "Queer in the Black Southern Church." Oh wow! Uh, so 
I know how y'all, we already know how this is going to go down. I have um, two people that's going to be with me, and I'll put them out uh, on blast on social media uh, so y'all can follow them. Make sure y'all go follow um, Brandy on all her social media. Uh, I'm going to let you give out your um, social media so you can, um, wherever they want to follow, wherever you want them to follow. Sure. Uh, you can let them know. Uh, but you can go ahead and blast that. Okay. Well, I am Dr. Brandy Hunt. I am not only an author, I'm also a publisher. I'm a life coach. I give life coaching certification. So I'm not just a life coach. I'm also a motivational speaker and I'm a corporate trainer. And I want to say this before we get off. I don't know if you remember prophesying to me that I would get a deal in California. Now, at the time, I think you said I would be helping somebody write a book. You said, I don't know if it's a book or something else. I just closed the deal in California so oh wow oh that was almost three or four years ago but prophecy it don't come back I think it says it it go out to do what it's supposed to do Um, and so I am a corporate trainer also which means I go around the world teaching people emotional intelligence soft skills and things like that so if you have a corporation you need me to come out and teach your employees I also do that so dealing with the hand I was dealt literally catapulted me into a whole new world that I did not know about and on TikTok I am Dr. Brandy Hunt on everything else Instagram LinkedIn Facebook I am still author Brandy Hunt that's cool okay so look y'all uh if I talk, if I if I talk about it, we'll be on this phone for a whole another hour, and we can't do that. Um, yeah, go check out her book, uh, her first book, and she has many other books. Um, her first book, how, um, dealing with the hand I was dealt, you can find it on Amazon. Um, it costs fourteen ninety nine, so definitely go out, check it out, uh, support her, buy the book, look at her, um, look her up. She has all uh, all kinds of books out there mm-hmm. now. Uh, like she's doing the thing. Uh, I'm trying, Travis. <laughs> well, we, you passed the trying part. You out there doing it. Um, and then I think uh, her newest book out is um, Flying by Faith, right? From Turbulence to Trial? It's coming, yes. Oh, that's the one that's coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, so y'all be on the lookout for that. Uh, will you be doing pre-orders for that? I will in the next <laughs> month. <laughs> Two months. Next... Yeah. <laughs> so we got a month, y'all, before her next biggest book come out. Uh, yeah. And, and and I and I can and I can say this book, this book too is going to is going to project you even further than where you are now. Uh, you have seen where God has had you, and where He has taken you, and where He's taking you is not the final stop. Amen. There is still more for you to go. Um, there's definitely a lot uh, that God is about to open up. He said. Uh, we, we, we mentioned this before and, and, I'll, and I'll take you back to the Bible again where he says I'm, I'm a prophet and I'm a sin- you're a prophet and he's going to send you to the nations mm-hmm. but this next book is really about to send you to the nations amen I believe that I receive that like um, and, and I see it at a, at a, at a very fast rate uh, as soon as the book drops I see you moving at a very fast rate I mean we're talking you know a lot of times we talk about, you know, I'm, I'm traveling and, you know, I might have a engagement here this one month and I might have engagement here this next two months, you know, spread out. But this, 
when I say he's about to take you to the nations, I mean one day Germany, the next day we're in Italy, next hey. day. So what? I said, hey, I'm with that. Yes. You know, uh, you're really about to hit some nation stops. Like he's gonna be some stop and goes, and we're gonna have to age, like keeping up with you. If y'all ain't keeping up with it now, you better might want to get on. Right. Get on board with it because she about to be moving. Hey, yes, hallelujah. But uh, that's all we have for y'all today. It's been great speaking with you. Uh, talking with my sister, Brandy Hunt. Uh, like I said, go follow her. Y'all follow Unrated Mints on all social media. Um, it's the same tag. Uh, at Unrated Mints. That's on TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also follow me. Um, my tag is Got Wardlaw Senior. Uh, and I'm on TikTok, Instagram all that so with that being said this is the first season the first episode of unrated mitch our dear god episode and we'll see y'all again bye